By accepting God's gift of forgiveness, that means Jesus is now in your life, but we have to ask for it. In fact, Romans 10, 9 and 10, let me read this to you. It says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe you are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Here's what I know. When we die, and every one of us are going to die one day, and we're going to stand before God, there's only one question that's going to matter. What did you do with Jesus? And the fact that you've taken a moment and you've taken this opportunity to say, Jesus, I want you in my life is the most incredible decision, the most important decision you can ever make because it counts for eternity. Did you know you were, you were made to live forever? But we get to decide here on earth where we're going to spend that eternity. And so if you've taken the time to say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you to be my leader and my friend. That doesn't mean you're going to have a perfect life, but it does mean you're going to have a meaningful life. And it means that you have heaven to look forward to and you will live forever with God. Good morning. It's great to see you today. Thank you so much for those of you that are joining us online. What you just witnessed, what that was, was just a part of a clip from a new series we're doing here at Family Life Church called The Core Four. And uh, it's going to be a series of videos, four important steps that you need to make in your relationship with Christ. And it'll be myself and Pastor Clint doing these. And uh, one is salvation. The second, we already talked about uh, baptism and then growing in my faith. And then finally, faith community or church life is what we're talking about. But, you know, here's the deal. There is a question and a decision that you make that will affect your eternity. A decision you make here on earth is going to change your eternity. And what a powerful decision that is. And uh, it's one that we want to offer to you today. And uh, I mean, how can you ever turn down an incredible offer like that? The decision you can make today can affect your eternity. It, It means life right here on earth is where I prepare for my eternal life, and that is forever. I like how Mark Driscoll has quoted Randy Alcorn by saying that for Christians, when when you have Christ in your life, this earth, this temporary earth, is as bad as it's ever going to get, and we have heaven to gain. If you don't have Christ in your life, here's the deal. This earth is as good as it's ever going to get, and it's not going to get any better. So imagine that, working your 50 or 60 or maybe 70, 80 years here on on this earth, and it doesn't get any better. So the question is, do you want this life to be your heaven, or do you want an eternity with a world beyond description? Well, I want to invite you to follow me then as we talk about salvation. And we said it like this, you know, you need to be saved. And when I say saved, why do I need to be saved? What What does it mean to be saved? Saved, especially for us, us, you know, Americans, we say, you know, saved from what? We we're, we're good people. We got a good heart. I might even work for a nonprofit. I, I might volunteer my time. Uh, you know, hey, here's the truth: every person on this planet needs to be saved from sin. That's what we're talking about. 
The truth is we're all born with it. We're all born with an incredible uh, bummer of a birthmark called sin. And it's hardwired into us. In fact, Romans 3.23, you might have heard this before, says this, for everyone has sinned and has fallen short of God's glorious standard. For everyone, that's all people. You know what? You don't have to teach a baby how to be selfish. <laughs> you don't have to teach a baby how uh, to do wrong things. It's just hardwired into us. And that's why Jesus says that the sin issue must be dealt with on earth so that we can be allowed to be in heaven. And really what he's talking about is being born or reborn spiritually. Or you might have heard the term being born again. That's what it means. Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 3, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, born spiritually, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So to gain this new life or spiritual birth, we've got to deal with the sin issue. It's not good enough just to come from a Christian home. Say, I was born into this. You can't be born into this. You know, say, well, my, my grandma was a Christian. She always prayed for me. Well, thank God. That's awesome. I had that too. But it doesn't take away our sin problem. Your mama can be Christian. Your daddy can be a Christian. But let me tell you what. Every person has got to come to a place when they decide in their own heart, what are you going to do with Jesus? And you say, well, God knows I'm a good person. He, you know, I know I'm going to end up good. I'm telling you. There's no such thing. You can't make your heart right. It's God who does it. It's God who does it. I want to read to you Romans 10, starting in verse 9. And we heard it a little bit in that, uh, that, that video clip, but I want to read it to you out of the message. And it says this. It's the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and set things right for us. This is the core of our preaching. Say the welcoming word to God. Jesus is my master, embracing body and soul. God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. And then it goes on and says this. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God setting things right. And then you can say it right out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. That is really the, 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 the crux of being saved or salvation. In other words, if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, guess what? You are saved. You have new life in Christ. But it's an issue we've got to deal with here and now. And then there's important steps to take. Once you come to Christ, like Pastor Clint was talking about, you go public with your faith in baptism. And then you begin to grow in what it means to know, to have Jesus to be your leader and your friend, and to know how it is to love God. That's discipleship. We do that in multiple ways here, and, and one of those is life groups. And then you grow in a faith community to where we don't do life alone, but church life is how we operate together as Christians, where we come together or we tune in online and we connect and we get inspired and we get a little bit more juice to go out and live our lives. But here's what you need to know is that salvation is for everyone. It's a wide open door. It is for everyone. It's interesting that people will work at their degree. 
you know, for two years, four years, or maybe they go to trade school, or if you really get technical, doctors and attorneys and different ones, they'll go six, seven, eight years of schooling to prepare for an occupation, to prepare for a career. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll learn a trade that you're going to do for a little while. We'll save and save and save for 30, 40 years so that we can retire. But isn't it interesting that that's all just temporary? But there's a decision that we can make here and now that makes a difference to forever. Everybody say that, forever, right? First Timothy 2, 5 says this, and he, God, wants all people to be saved from the punishment of sin. He wants them to come to know the truth. There is one God, and there is one man standing between God and men, and that man is Jesus Christ. Picture this. Here's God. He cannot look at sin. Remember, since a baby, you're hardwired with sin. So unfortunately, God can't even look at us. But Jesus comes and steps in between us. Do you know, Jesus is the filter that God sees you through. It's, in, it's incredible. There is one God, and he wants a relationship with you. And, you know, you've heard this maybe. People like to say this. Oh, there's so many ways to God. There's so many paths to God. Don't be so exclusive. There's so many paths. There's so many ways to God. No, there's only one way that pays the price for your sin. John 14, 6 says it this way. This is Jesus' words. This is not my words. This is not my blog post or on my Facebook. This is what Jesus says. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Here it is. No one can go to the Father except by me. And when you come to God, you come through Jesus. You say, oh man, that sounds exclusive. Here's what I know. There's only one way to God, but let me tell you what. There's lots of ways to get to Jesus. There's lots of ways to get to Jesus. Some of you came to Jesus out of time of searching in your life, or maybe it was a time of crisis, or you came to where, man, you're just like, man, there's a hole in my life, and I just can't fill it, and it led you to Jesus, which allowed you to come to God. Maybe it was you were in a service just like this, or in a spiritual uh, encounter just like this, where you heard that, and you connected with Jesus. You connected with the message. And sometimes, I mean, you can't hold a baby, a newborn baby, and not know that there is a creator. Or you get out, and we live in the most beautiful part of the nation. I'm telling you, we, this area is so beautiful. And yesterday, I was driving along, and Mount Hood's like just beaming out in front of me. I was like, man, this is beautiful. You can't look around Oregon and look around nature and say, man, there is not a maker. There is a maker. Let me tell you what. There's only one way to get to God and have our sins forgiven, but there's a lot of ways to get to Jesus. What if we just hold Jesus up and let him draw people? Here's the deal. Buddha never claimed to die for your sin. Muhammad never claimed to die for your sin. There's only one person that's ever said, I am going to take the sin of the world on myself. I'm going to die, and I'm not going to stay dead. I'm going to come out of the tomb alive and take care of the sin issue and nail it to the cross. I don't know if it excites anybody, but that's good news in my book. And Romans 10.9 says, If we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's, it's not you might be, it's for everyone. Okay, so I come to Christ, and now I don't have any problems in my life. It's amazing. You ever heard that? Come to Jesus, and all your problems go away. <laughs> Salvation doesn't mean a perfect life, but it means a meaningful life. There's nothing more 
empty than working all your life and you come to the end of your life and you realize you've climbed a ladder and it's leaning against a wrong building. It was not the right destination. There's nothing more empty than coming to the end and realizing I've worked and worked and worked and it's all just temporary and I'm not ready for eternity. A life with Christ and as a Christ follower, a born again, a spiritually reborn life is a life of meaning. But to say, come to Jesus and all your problems go away, that's just not true. In fact, Jesus said, if you come and follow me, you're probably going to experience more problems. But let me tell you this, you'll never be alone. You know, I can go through a lot of stuff. I can face a lot of things if somebody's with me. It's being alone is the hard part. It's being alone. I can go through things if I've got people with me. And you won't face things alone. In fact, David said in the Psalms, Man, I could even go through Death Valley. But who's with me? You're with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Salvation means not only do you have a meaningful life, but you are not alone. I love that. And salvation does not mean that you will be perfect this side of heaven. Here's the deal. Come to Christ. Guess what? You're still going to make some mistakes. Some people believe like, okay, now I've got to live perfect. <laughs> you can't. It's not possible because we're still on this earth and we are going to sin and we're going to miss the mark but your home is still heaven and you can continue to grow and move forward even to fail forward and learn from those things you know without Jesus in your life our sin just kind of piles up just kind of stacks up stacks up and it's always in front of us why when you look in the mirror you realize everything you've done wrong you realize all the times you've made mistakes but with Jesus I can see my sin even clearer, I can see it clearer, I can make it made aware of it, but I've got somewhere to take it. Psalm 51, 3 says, for I know my wrongdoing, my sin is always in front of me. I mean, it's just like right there. But here's the deal, with Jesus being born again into spiritual life, I can confess it to him and be forgiven. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess it, he removes it, boom, it's done. And I keep going. And I keep growing. Jesus stands between you and God and shows God that we have been covered by the cross because everything that you have done wrong, everything you can do wrong, Jesus took care of it and nailed it to the cross. In fact, Colossians 2, 14 says this, he canceled the record of the charges against us, took it away and nailed it to the cross. In other words, he paid the penalty. Your account has been covered. Just imagine that. He removes our sin. I said the first service, it didn't go over very well. I don't know how well it'll go over in this service, but I said when you do something wrong or if, if the enemy comes and says you're a sinner, I say, yeah, Jesus nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> when we're about like that, just kind of eh, dad joke. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been made right with God, in God's sight by faith, we can have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. The fact that not only is my sin forgiven, but I can be at peace with God. Another translation says it this way, that we are justified through faith. Now, justification is like a $10 word that just means it's like it never happened, or I remember it this way. Justification is just as if I never did it. 
Now think about that. God has not only taken our sin away from us, forgiven us for sin, but he's wiped the books clean. You know, we're going to stand before God one day and they're, they're going to open the books and they're going to read all the things in our life and this act right here means that it's not even on the books. He's not going to go, oh, I forgave you for this, I forgave you for this, I forgave you for this. It's just not on there. The evidence has been taken away. You know, in the Good Friday service, I told the illustration about my oldest daughter got her first nice car. She was a little sports car. She loved it. She was proud of it. It was kind of low to the ground. And uh, she parked next to me one day, and I had a Ford Expedition at the time. And I went to back out, and I just looked right over the top of it and turned sharp and <laughs> all the way down the side. It was the worst sound I've ever heard in my life. Well, one of them. I got out. My car wasn't even scratched. <laughs> But hers looked really bad. So I went and found her and said, okay, Tiffany, don't be mad, but uh, i got to confess something to you. Here's what I did, you know. Well, thankfully, she forgave me for that. But every time I went out to the driveway, I was reminded, there's that big gaping wound in that car. It's like, oh, why did I do that? Until we found a great body man, and he came, and he took out the dent, and he made it better than new. Took out a bunch of stuff, and I mean, it was nice. So then... I restored it, but so not only did she forgive me, but it removed the evidence so we didn't have to face it every time we looked at that car. I know that's a really simple illustration, but I'm telling you that is what happens when God says, just as if it never happened. Let me take that. It's important. It's important that once you give Jesus control of your life, the books are clean. Once we've confessed with our mouth and believe in our hearts that things, those things that you've done, he's taken them away. That's why it's important. We don't, you don't have to carry it anymore. You know, sometimes we're going to remember it. I remembered the accident, but I knew, that, oh, that was taken care of. That was taken care of. Now, let me talk to the church for a minute because I think this is important for us to know. Salvation is about your heart and no one else's. You know, when I go on a diet, uh, no comments, please, but when I go on a diet, and I do from time to time, and I start watching what I eat, it's an interesting thing that I start noticing what everybody else eats. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not only am I hungry for it, but if I go on a diet, then I'm noticing like, man, why aren't they watching what they eat? Here's a, here's a symptom that we have when we start following Christ. It's a true story. We, we begin to follow Christ. We begin to grow in our faith. We begin to take steps forward. This, a symptom of that is sometimes we can begin to notice who's behind us in line. When God is speaking to us about something that he's wanting us to grow through, one of the side effects, if you will, is that sometimes we can look back and say, well, how come they're not living like they should be living? God's speaking to me about that. Why is not he speaking to them about that? Larry Osborne's an incredible pastor, and he's an author, and he wrote a book called this, Accidental Pharisee. You know, there's a little bit of Pharisee in every one of us when we come to Christ. And if we're not careful and we're not conscious of it, we can become prideful and exclusive and it focuses on more legalism in our life and saying, well, we're doing this, so you should be doing this. You know, if you, if you ask people that maybe aren't part of the church to say, hey, <laughs> You know, what do you think of the church? Why is the church reputation of one that we are what? Judgmental a lot of times. I'm not talking about this particular church. Hopefully we have a better reputation in our community. 
But a lot of times people on the outside looking in said, well, Christians are judgmental. There are judgmental people outside the church, and when you get in there, if you make a mistake in the church, look out, because they're really going to be judgmental. Why are we always finger-pointing when we have been forgiven more than we can ever imagine? Because we've been made conscious of our failure, now we're seeing it in others. Listen, what should make us grateful can, if we're not careful, make us resentful, mean, and sometimes even hateful in the name of righteousness. Isn't that crazy? And we've, we've heard this. Well, we love the sinner, but we hate the sin. You know? And Jesus never said that. Jesus said, you are to love the sinner, but I want you to focus on your own sin. Love the sinner, hate your own sin. Deal with your own heart. And even his disciples, when he was walking along, one of them turned around and said, tell me about this guy. What about this guy? And Jesus said, no, I want you to focus on you. Don't you worry what I'm, I'll do my own work. I'm, I'm God enough to do my own work in his life. I want you to focus on your life. Jesus says, you know what? You don't have to hang around people that do those things. You can distance yourself from sinful behavior, Absolutely. But he did say if there are people in the church who say one thing and live another, you can distance from them. But you need to love the sinner and you need to hate your own sin. What if we try with people who live differently than us or disagree with their lifestyle? What well, if we tried this? What well, if we tried this? Leave it to Jesus. Leave it to Jesus. I want to read a story to you. It's out of Matthew 13. It's not going to be on the screen. Jesus told parables all the time. He would... He would tell stories and take pictures of who God is in parables. And he shared this with, with the people when he was on earth. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like someone who planted good seed in his field. While people were sleeping, an enemy came in and planted weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the stalks sprouted and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. The servants of the landover came and asked him, Master, didn't you plant good seed in the field? And uh, then how is it that you have weeds in here? An enemy has done this, the master said. And the servants asked him, Do you want us to go to gather them? But the landowner said, No, because if you gather the weeds, you're going to pull up the wheat along with them. Let them both grow side by side until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will say to the harvesters, First, gather the weeds and tie them together in bundles to be burned and bring the wheat into my barn. What this tells me is that there will be people who think maybe they're a part of the faith. Maybe they think they're a part. They're doing things maybe that we would not agree with and they might be misled or, or they might just be flat out wrong. But it's not my job to judge them or change them. Our job is to hold up the truth, to speak the truth in love, to grow in our faith. And as a church family, we are asked to be gardeners. We till the soil. We make a warm, inviting atmosphere for people to hear from Jesus so he can speak to our heart. We can till, we can garden, we can nurture, we can argue about whose wheat is the weediest. I mean, you know, we can, we can you know, deal with all that stuff, but the judgment of who's in and who's out is left to someone greater than us. It's not on us. 
what it, what would it look like if the church was so focused on our own hearts and our ability to, to, to learn and grow and be more like Christ and have this atmosphere of warmth. Jesus said, he's going to save others. Our job is to lift him up and be as much like Jesus as we can. But they think they can't go to heaven and do that. They can't go to heaven if they do this. I got an idea. Don't do what they do. <laughs> Don't do what they do. But leave the harvester job to the harvesters. Because if we go start yanking up people that we think aren't right, it says you're going to damage the church. Let me tell you, Jesus came to earth for people just like us, no matter what we've done. When Jesus offered you this offer, he said, I love you no matter what you've done, no matter who you've done it with, no matter how long you've done it, I want to give you this offer of new life. And when we accept that, when we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that Jesus is Lord, we are saved. He is faithful and just. Just as if you never sinned, he wipes it off the book. We ought to be the most thankful people on this planet. Can you believe we get to be a part of Jesus? One guy said that uh, being a Christian is just like one beggar telling another beggar where he got the bread. I love that. Let me close with this. Because like I said, Jesus loved to tell stories. In fact, one place in the Bible said he never preached a message when he didn't tell it in a story. That's just who God is. But he loved to take these stories. And again, Jesus would paint pictures of what the father was like within these stories. Probably one of the most famous stories that he ever told was the prodigal son. Maybe you've heard that story before. I'm sure you have. But really, this story, I would say, is about the heart of a father. It's called the prodigal son, but it's really more of who God is and the heart of a father. You remember in the story, you've got a father and he has two sons. One son wants, every, he wants his inheritance early and takes it and walks away. And not only does he walk away, but he disrespects the family. He wastes what he has been given and he gets lost in his sinful ways. The older son stays with his father and does the right things. But something happens in the heart of the wayward son and he remembers that there could be hope in his father's house. If he, if he would just ask forgiveness, he presumed that he'd probably get demoted, but at least it would still be worth getting away from the pain of separation. And so he comes home. And you remember that story. The Bible says that, that the, the son begins to come home. And the picture that Jesus is painting of the heart of the father is not so much the son coming home, but the fact that the father sees him afar off and runs to him. Runs to him. He meets him on the way. He forgives him. He covers his past. He restores him with joy and welcome. And then the story turns because the older son should have been welcoming, but he wasn't. He was focused on the fact that the younger son was behind him in line. He was focused on the fact that he hadn't done the things that he... Why would the father give grace to someone like let me tell you today in this story there's some choices some of you have been that prodigal son or daughter you've ran hard you've taken what you got and if you look back and really honest it was a waste and sin got the best of you 
then you know what it means to turn and make your way back towards God. And you know what that warm embrace is. Or maybe you might be today and you're just considering coming. Maybe you're watching today and you're just considering making that turn towards God. Or maybe today you might feel like, man, I, that, I want to be like the Father. I want to be the one that is in the welcoming committee. I want to have a warm embrace for people to come to Christ. Or if we're really honest, maybe we might say, you know, too many times I've been like the older brother. I've, I've, I've got Jesus in my life and I've allowed that to be an area of pride or exclusivity. I've let it steal the heart of what it means to come to Christ. I started this message by saying, why wouldn't you want to allow Jesus to come in and give you new life? One place in the Bible it says, today is the greatest day for salvation. Today is a great, there'll be enough, there's not a better opportunity than right now and today. And I'm telling you, Jesus is faithful and you have a father that will run to you. Maybe you've walked away from your faith. Maybe you're just checking this out today because you've let things separate you from God. I heard it said this one, one time, you can walk a thousand steps away from God, but it's only one step back. He is faithful and just. He will forgive you. He will justify you by faith. That means just as if that past never happens. Another place said, he will separate your sin as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't want to focus on what you're not. He wants to give you a plan. He loves you just the way you are. He loves you too much to leave you that way. If you confess, he is faithful. Maybe you need to confess that you need him today. Maybe you need to confess that there's sin on board and it's taken a toll on your life. Maybe right now, wherever you're at and wherever you're watching this, you would just say, Jesus, I need to confess this. Maybe as a church, maybe as a person that's known Christ for a long time, you need to confess that you've been prideful and exclusive and wanted to fix other people's hearts. And you might say, God, I confess, I want to be more like a father and I want to be a gardener that does a good job and let the harvester do the work. Here's what I love about the story of the prodigal son is that the father goes out to both. He reaches out to both. He doesn't want a life without his younger son. He doesn't want a life without his older son. And I believe and I trust that the heart of the father was that he had both sons back. One with a few more bumps and scars, but an incredible testimony. And they were together. I just want to give you an opportunity today, just in this moment, prayerful moment. And if you don't even know what to pray and you want to commit your life to Christ, maybe it'd just be like this, Jesus, I need to come through you to God. Forgive me. I want to I want you to become my leader and my friend. Help me to learn to love you and know you. Maybe your prayer might just be, Jesus, help me focus on me and my life and not the life of others. I think all of us can pray this prayer. God, give us a heart like the Father for those who just need to come home. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you've made a decision for Christ today, if you're watching us online, we have a host there right now. Just uh, connect with her. Uh, you can just ask for prayer. 
You can go to our website and send us a note. We want to walk with you. We want to give you the next steps. If you're in the room today, that Connect card is a great place. Let us know if you've made a decision for Christ, if, if, if you have a question, if there's any way that we can help you in the next steps. Maybe you've had that decision. You go, you know what? Man, I've never been baptized. And after Pastor Clint said that, it's just on your heart. Write that down. Drop it in the box on the way out. Give us that email. We want to connect with you. We want to walk with you. Because there's an important thing. One day, we're all going to stand before God, and he's going to say, what did you do with Jesus? And I don't know about you, but I want Jesus standing right next to me saying, hey, this one's with me. She's with me. He's with me. I love that. Would you stand with me today? We're going to open up the prayer wall. And uh, if you have anything on your life, anything on your heart that we want to pray with you about, there will be people here that love Jesus and would love to pray with you. Again, don't forget to drop that connect card or connect with the host right now. But uh, just before we go, I just wanted to thank somebody. Um, Amanda Matlock coordinates our nursery. And she does an amazing job back there with our babies and coordinating those to help our babies. And uh, she does an amazing job of coordination and leadership. I just wanted to thank Amanda Matlock today. Would you give her a hand right now for what she does? Amen. Thank you, Amanda. Until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that he would turn his face toward you and shine his countenance on your life. He's not just shining his countenance on your life. He's running down the road to you. God bless you as you go live the life. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org, or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. But I just wanted to say thank you and God bless your week.